I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today I have Leon Roberts, who grew up in the city of Chicago. He is a father, educator, businessman, philanthropic organizer, and influencer. In 2018, he became a certified coach, trainer, and mentor with the John Maxwell team. Leon, I want to welcome you, welcome you to the Courageous Podcast today. Thank you. I appreciate giving me the opportunity to speak and uh, reach out to your audience. Well, a little story about Leon. So Leon and I met at a John Maxwell conference and we were sitting at the same table and, you know, you have to go around and you got to introduce each other and kind of tell people where you're from. And I thought it was the coolest thing that I was sitting at a table with another Chicagoan. And so my face kind of lit up. I was like, whoa, this is cool. And so, you know, we kind of hit it off and we all had a great conversation at that table. And I felt really blessed, right, to just be part of that group. And although I didn't get to spend that much time with you guys, I just felt like I was in the right place. And I've been in touch with some of these other people and they've all been really amazing. And so I know from what you shared at your story uh, when we met in Orlando are the things that you're doing to give back to the community and things like that. So I said, hey, you know what? I think it'd be great to connect with Leon. But then when you started sharing your story, I was like, whoa, I didn't know this about you. And so that's kind of why I said, hey, this is a unique story. And, you know, for some, it could be familiar. So, you know, let's dive into that a little bit, Leon. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing and what life was like for you. Well, I would start off by saying I was raised to a single mom. She had me at the age of 15. Uh, It was a very, very difficult upbringing, you know, because being a son of a single mom who really didn't have the skill set to raise a young boy, needless to say that it was a challenging and daunting thing for my mom to do. She did her very best, you know, for a young lady during those times. She had me in the 70s and the 70s was a very turbulent time. It was a lot of things going on during that time. It was just really difficult in the black community to really try to raise a young man at that time was just Mm -hmm. nothing short of miraculous. I grew up the earlier part of my life in the Cabrini Green housing projects. And uh, there were great times and there were quite frankly, uh, horrific times growing up there. It was a family for the most part. We all knew each other. We would reach out to each other. We would connect in a lot of ways. It was a community in every sense of the word. But within a community, you get to know people quite well. And you get to know intimate sides of uh, a lot of people. And it's hard not to be touched by one another in good and bad ways, right? Because of how the community is constructed. And if you ever had any experience with what a project situation is like, it's, it's a tenement situation where People are stacked on top of each other. And uh, the the building that I stayed in was a 10-story building surrounded by, I think, a 19-story building, a 17-story building, a 21-story building. And we were like in the center of it. Uh, My address was 1157 Cleveland. There were some specific things during that time that I think that touched me. And uh, there was a tragic murdering happened during a time while we were living in Cabrini. My mom and I had uh, went to go visit my grandmother and we stayed some time over there. And my stepdad chose to just stay at home and hang out. 
And uh, one evening he went out and just was on the ramp, just kicking the bobos with some of his buddies. And some guy came up behind and rang out shotgun shots and just started shooting up the whole scene. And he, mm-hmm. he tried to escape. He gave chase and the guy hit him in the back with like a couple buckshots and he went down. And uh, the ambulance arrived on the scene. They, they tried to restore his life. He ended up passing inside the ambulance en route to the hospital where they pronounced him dead. Uh, it was it was a tragic moment. I can't even express enough how profound that situation was. It was a number of instances like that growing up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of situations uh, I experienced at an early age where people that I knew had a tragic ending. Leon, let me ask you. So I know that, you know, you had said that you saw a lot of difficult things as a child growing up. You know, I remember when I was growing up during that time and we used to see Cabrini Green on the news all the time. It was something very scary, at least from our perspective, right? We're seeing things on television. And again, these are things that are now happening all over the city of Chicago. You know, now there isn't a Cabrini Green. It's like happening everywhere. As a kid, though, were you fearful of your surroundings and where you were living? Earlier on, I wasn't that much so. I felt that there was enough protective hedge around me. I knew a lot of the people in the community. I knew a lot of the people that was doing a lot of the crime and a lot of the uh, murders. You know, they were my mom's and my dad's friends and friends of friends and things Mm -hmm. like that. You know, they were young people, but young people associate with each other. And being that we were in the projects, it wasn't nothing that happened that one family or another didn't know because Mm -hmm. you'd be connected in such a way. Like if my mom didn't know it directly or my dad didn't know him directly or my stepfather didn't know him directly, they knew somebody who knew somebody and then people talked. But it never left the community. It never went out like in such a way where authorities would arrive on the scene and and investigate. It was always just kind of dealt with in-house in the community. And that's just how life was. During that time, Children didn't have a whole lot to worry about with respect to that level of violence like they do today. Mm -hmm. The violence that rung out was just really a lot of youth violence and displaced anger. When you think back to that time, all of the things that you witnessed, and it sounds like that was your normal for you and your community, as crazy as that sounds, right? There's nothing normal about that, but you guys did what you could to say, hey, this is where we're at. We're going to do the best that we can. We're going to support each other. We're going to lift each other up and pray to God that we get through this every single day and be there for each other. And so I know that a time later, you know, you moved to live with your grandmother. And one of the things I love that you said was that, you know, your mom was young and she really did the best that she could. And I I love that, that you say that because at 15, I can't even imagine me being a mom or any girl at 15 being a mom and knowing what to do. You know, I had my son when I was in my late twenties and I still was like, okay, how do I do this? This is too hard. And so I commend her for doing the best that she could. And so, you know, your grandmother was very pivotal in your life. Tell me a little bit about her and growing up in the gardens. Wow. Rainy Mae, Rainy Mae Roberts. Affectionately, we all called her mom, you know, mama. Whereas I called my mom Darlene, which is her first name. Like we were more so like siblings than son and mom, mom and son, you know. Right. Uh, But, you know, of course, I've always was aware of who my mom was. But 
we all call my grandmama mama. She was not like Nana, like some people call them, or grandmama. No, right. she was mama to all of us, right? <laughs> to my mom and me, right? She was mama, right? So, uh, well, Rainy May was always there. She was there in Cabrini with us for, before she actually moved out. Once I graduated from Frederick Von Schiller, I'll never forget it, elementary school, I ended up deciding to go and stay with my grandma. My mom still stayed in Cabrini, but I was starting to get up in age. I was a teenager. I was getting sized. Mm -hmm. And at that point, that's when you become more of a target. You become a threat in your own community. Young black men become a threat to one another at that age. And so I sensed it. I was aware of it. I knew what time it was. I knew what my community produced. And I just didn't feel like that was the community I wanted to kind of experience that in. Although... I ended up going somewhere that wasn't much better because the stateway mm -hmm. housing projects wasn't much better than Cabrini Green housing projects. They had similar issues, similar problems, different gangs. So I wanted to ask you, Leon, as you were growing up, did you dream about, you know, what you wanted to be when you grew up? And when I asked you that, you said that you didn't have time to dream. True, true. Ex explain that to me. Like a lot of young people, I know I felt at that time I was blessed to uh, see past high school into my 20s. Growing up, I didn't even think I was going to make it that far, to be honest with you. Wow. I, I thought I was going to be cut down. like Because my stepfather died at like 23, 24. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of people I knew was you know either getting locked up or murdered at an early age. He right. was only just hoping to make it to the next day. I mean, you could have easily went down that path wherever you were in your environment, whether it was in the Cabrini Green or in the other projects. I mean, you decided, hey, just because I'm here, I'm surrounded by all of this. There's got to be something better for my future, right? I want to live past a certain age. I want a chance to dream and to create a life and to get married and hopefully have kids. And I mean, there's nothing wrong right. with that. I always felt blessed. I always felt like there was a hedge around me, even at a young, young age as a baby. Like, I always felt protected in a very spiritual way. Like I never felt like my community would touch me in that way. But I mean, in terms of attacking my soul to the point where I felt like I would become what I dreaded the most. Like I never felt like I would be a product of that. I always felt in my heart of hearts that the things that I saw, I would be the opposite of. I just never aspired to be what my community was putting out. And I always wanted to be somewhat of a beacon, a light or a doorway or a pathway, because I never really saw one until I started getting older. Well, I want to fast forward because I do want you to talk a little bit about some of your accomplishments. You know, you said that you graduated with a couple different degrees. Tell me about that. Like I said, I, I went over to uh, stay with my grandma back in the 90s and I attended Dunbar Vocational High School. And at Dunbar, I played varsity baseball. I tried out for the basketball team. I was really, really successful at baseball. And uh, I played varsity baseball for four years. Once I entered my senior year at Dunbar, at that time, I had met my soon-to-be wife. And she had clear, clear aspirations for going on beyond high school to do college and other ambitious goals, right? Mm -hmm. Like I said, before then, I really didn't dream. There was no way I was going to ever be early finance college. If I wasn't going to go pro playing baseball, I didn't see me doing nothing more than maybe finding me a job, trying to earn a few bucks. 
but really getting to know my wife. She encouraged me to put in applications to different schools. At that time, Black schools were really famous. Historically, Black universities were really big. During that time, I think the movie Spike Lee produced was School Days. There was a lot of like sitcoms where they were rocking a lot of hoodies and different schools that supported historically black colleges. And so it was just, it was very motivational, right? Watching those different type of programs like really inspired me. So I eventually enrolled at Grambling University. That was a really eye-opening experience. I had the opportunity to go down to Louisiana and see a different lifestyle, a different type of people, a different kind of black people. If I could say manners were different, the way they respected you, the way they talked to you, the way they treated you. Everything was based on respect. They expected a high level achievement. I stayed at Gremlin for like a half a semester. And then I wanted to come back, but I couldn't. I just couldn't afford the tuition. So I I ended up enrolling at Columbia College of Chicago. And at Columbia, I earned my bachelor's degree in management. Following that, I ended up pursuing my master's degree at UIC. And that's where we are now. That's amazing. And so you said you were first in your family, right, to get... Yes, a that, bachelor's and a master's. That's a fact. Yeah, after me, we had a slew of family members that went on and decided that this was a something that they could achieve as well. So yeah. you paved the way. That's amazing. That's something I'm very proud of. I felt like my family held me to a high regard with respect to that. They really encouraged me once they seen that this was something that I was trying to do. Like before, I didn't get much encouragement. They didn't think it was going to be possible because they knew they couldn't support any endeavor. But once I did it, it just opened up their mind and and their hearts and, and people started being able to do things that they otherwise never thought they could do. Well, that's definitely something to inspire not only your family, but inspire others to realize that even if you don't have a dream, right, growing up, but that God could still lead you down an amazing path. You just have to be open to it and you just got to work hard. And and sometimes I feel like you have to look at yourself and say, hey, you know what? I'm worthy of this. Like I deserve to go to college. You know, I deserve to work hard and and see the fruits of my labor, you know, and you definitely did that. And so, Leon, tell me, what was your motivation to push through all of this adversity? I got to say just a sense of spirituality in God, just believing in God. I know we didn't really touch upon this, but I wanted to make sure that I made note to one of my good friends, my best friend, who's like a brother to me. His name is Aaron Ruffin, right? His mom was very pivotal in my life in terms of establishing a God-centeredness in me as well and her, all of her kids. And she treated me like one of hers. And uh, I would go to the storefront church just like him and we would praise Praise the Lord every Sunday and twice on, <laughs> on Monday. <laughs> and, uh, I love it. And it was a wonderful experience because it opened up the world to me from a spiritual lens. And I was able to go into my dark places and see light where other people just could not see it. And that was always my muse and my inspiration because times tend to get dark. And if you don't have something inside of you to motivate you, to keep you going, a sense of who God is and who you are in this world and your relationship to God, then you could easily fall off track. You could easily fall victim to the world and the things that become perilous to us as a as a humankind. I like to think that I'm a child of God. So mm. 
Amen. That's powerful. I love when people say that because God put people on their path that would encourage them or inspire them. Or like you said, say, no, we're going to church. This is important that somebody else took the time to do that for you, I think is amazing and made an impact in your life. And I feel like that's something that we need to continue to do for other people, not just young people, but people that we know are struggling and are going through difficult times in their life. And so looking back, you know, is there anything that you think you would have done differently? I got to say, no, I don't think it was nothing I would do differently because a lot of the things were circumstantial Mm -hmm. and those circumstances is what built me and my character and the person that I am. If I took any of that back, then I would lose a sense of who I was and who I've become. And yet there's still more mistakes to be made, still room to grow. Right. That's the reality of it. We live and we learn and we continue to try to just ask for God's grace, you know. That's right. Why did you think that it was important to share your story today? I feel like that we all have a story to tell and that if something I said was remotely motivational to someone that's out there struggling, that don't see college as an option, that see themselves in very dark places that's plagued with gang violence, raised by a single parent that just really don't have the means. I feel like if you could just see through the lens in which I survived and created a way out of no way, I really hope that you realize that it was not me. It's a God that controls it all and that really, really has our back if we only just prayed and ask for it, and then continue to move in faith. And you'll see that the things that you want in this life, you'll accomplish. Amen. That's so powerful. You know, Leon, if there's somebody that's listening that has a similar story, that grew up in the projects, that grew up in the hood, that sees everything that's going on around them and realizes like, hey, this can't be my life. Like, there's got to be something better out there. What would you say to that young man that's struggling right now in trying to find his way and trying to find himself and how he fits into this world? That's an excellent question. I would answer that basically just staying prayerful and continue to just push, take every step, one step at a time, and know that God has you if you just stay prayerful and you ask in confidence what what it is that you want and you pursue it. Because sometimes it does seem dark and you don't see your steps before you. But if you operate in faith and move accordingly and see a vision where there is none and move in that way, you'll get to where you're trying to go. Amazing. That's so, so true. You know, Leon, I'm going to ask you this question, but I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. Do you believe that people are a product of their environment? Yes, I think they are. But I think that you also can change your environment and recreate your stars. And you have to just really operate in your purpose. And once you do that, you'll see. So there's definitely more out there for anyone that's listening, anyone that's gone through this particular type of struggle. Absolutely. There's always something, right? And so before we go, you know, I wanted you to share a little bit about this nonprofit that you started a couple years ago, you know, I know you have a tremendous heart for young people yes. and you've dedicated many, many hours and, and years just pouring into other young men uh, in the yes. community so that you could be that source of encouragement and hope to them. You know, tell me a little bit about that. 
Yes, I started an organization called the Chicago Organization for Education, Discipline, and Sports. It's a mouthful, so I just call it COEDS, right? (laughs) (laughs) COEDS is uh, the acronym for that. And what it is, is it's a grassroots organization providing a certain level of education and sports that can reach youth and also give them an opportunity to express themselves through sports and academics. I created this opportunity for students who were gifted in athletics, but also didn't see a way that they can pursue an educational opportunity. And so their gifts within sports and education would land them opportunity to go to school. I created the program back in 95, and it really bloomed in 2005. And I started some AAU programs, some computer courses at the park districts. I also ran a few things out of South Shore Chamber of Commerce, where I had mm-hmm. an opportunity to work with parents and disseminate information on different ways that they can be educated. I also did FAFSA training, where I taught them how to complete FAFSAs and showed them ways of actually accessing financial aid and uh, getting them an opportunity to go to school after high school. It was just really something that I created to really, really give back and show the gratitude that I have for all the different people from the communities that I grew up that giving me the same opportunities to express myself athletically and encourage me to, to continue on and pursue my educational goals. That's great. Realizing that education is key and that because of that, it's giving you new opportunities. But Now you're taking that information that you learned, right, and that you've taken advantage of and said, hey, there's another way and I'm going to help young men get access and educate their families and their parents and how they can create a better path for their future. And so if people wanted to connect with you, Leon, if they connected with your story today, if they said, hey, yeah, I want to come alongside him or I want to get to know him a little more on a personal level, maybe I want to have Leon come and speak to our young men, how can they connect? with you? Well, I'm on all of the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Snapchat. I'm oh. on them all. And I really go basically by my, my name. So you can just Google me and you'll see it. Great. Well, Leon, thank you so much for being on the Courageous Podcast today. This is a very encouraging and real life story. I mean, we are in October 2020 and there's a lot of difficult things that are going on in the world right now. And so you bringing this to light is powerful and amazing and just gives people hope. Um, I pray blessings over you, over your wife, your children. I pray that God will continue to use you and just minister through you uh, to help other people, to help young men, and to just to continue to open the doors to use you to reach people in ways that maybe they never thought and give them hope to do the things that maybe they don't think they can reach. And so I thank you uh, and I look forward to chapter two of Leon Roberts. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to speak to your audience. And uh, I really think that you're going to have a blessed ministry as yourself. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, Continue to be strong and courageous.